I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Thin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. We put this time aside every Wednesday for a guy that not only was an amazing congressman out of Long Island for the better part of four decades, also served the country well, Homeland Security, and uh, responsible along with uh, John Stewart and others for folks receiving monies from 9-11 for like the next 100 years. And much like Bo Deedle, more important than all of that, he's just a dear, dear friend of both of ours, me and Bernard. Here he is, uh, the great Congressman Peter King, who I think is still on Saturdays with the judge on the FM side, too. Peter, good morning. How are you, pal? He said, I'm doing great. Let's uh, all of us hope and pray that Bernie does great, too. He's a great guy. And you said before, a great fighter. I've never met a guy as tough as Bernie. Uh, smart, tough. He's going to make it. I think so, too. Uh, you know, I've seen people in this position. Look, uh, what's happened in the last month has been scary for me to watch it. Uh, he'll admit it himself. He said to me yesterday, he goes, Sid, look at me the last month. But I've seen this before. Guys in their 60s, prostate cancer, chemotherapy, all the issues he's going through that were playing tennis a year later in West Palm Beach. And, and I think Bernie is, is one of those guys. So uh, we've seen this before, right, Peter? The people just they come back. Yeah, but I wouldn't expect to see Bernie playing tennis in West Palm Beach. <laughs> in the ring, knocking the hell out of some guy. That's a good point. You're right about that. He'd be back in the ring doing that. All right, Peter, let's get to this big press conference. Comes our way at 4 o'clock this afternoon. I just played sound from Jen Psaki. And uh, she did exactly what Joe Biden will do later on today. I, I'm predicting this. You can write it down, Pete, 1,000%. That if there's any issue here in the United States that he has not been able to quote unquote fix, it's because of Donald Trump. In other words, he will take zero accountability for messing up everything. You think my prediction is right? Absolutely right. He's going to say everything, including, for instance, things like the vaccine. He's going to say that very few people were vaccinated when he came into office. That's because the vaccine just started then. It was Donald Trump that gave him the vaccine. So, I mean, this is uh, really cheap stuff by him. Uh, they, uh, you know, people are getting tired of it. Listen, I. You know, you look at it now and you say, couldn't the American people have seen through him when he was running? Well, listen, you know, people may have been tired with Donald Trump. They got used to the fact that we had no inflation, the fact that we had jobs, and even the fact that, you know, Trump had gotten us the vaccine. And they figured it's time to calm down a bit. Let's go with Joe Biden. How bad can he be? Well, now they're seeing how bad he can be, and they're seeing the mistake that they made. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I voted for Trump enthusiastically, and I was sad when he lost. But uh, you know, Peter, more than Bernie, I was really willing to give him the chance. I really was. But I can't think of one thing that he's done well. I just can't. We went over the list just moments ago, me and uh, and Justin here, from the border to the COVID situation you just mentioned to what happened in Afghanistan. That, that of course, falls into the foreign policy, inflation, the economy. I can't think of, maybe I'm, I'm missing something, one thing that I can say, you know what? He's done a pretty good job. Can you? The only thing I could say is I think he's done okay in Asia so far. The jury's still out. China is moving. He is working with Taiwan. He is working with Japan. He is working with South Korea. What it adds up to, I don't know. But he's certainly been a failure in Afghanistan, certainly with Russia. Now, all the phony talk, by the way, which was the biggest scandal ever, 
the fact of uh, the, the accusation that Donald Trump was somehow colluding with Russia. No one was tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Can you imagine Putin even thinking of doing this? Never. Moving 130,000 troops to the Never. border, threatening uh, you know, all these threats against the U.S. You got to do this. You got to do that. Nothing. They were scared stiff of Donald Trump. And same with the Allies. You know, they, they bitch and they complain. But the fact is that Europe was never more solid against Russia than Donald Trump was there. And you go, again, all, 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 the Middle East, the Middle East for years, we had every top diplomat and statesman shuttling back and forth, trying to get peace agreements. He got them almost overnight. I mean, yep. it took the three years. But once they really got going, yeah, you know, agreement with the Arab, you know, different Arab countries actually signing at the White House with Netanyahu. I mean, whoever thought that would happen? And yet Donald Trump brought them together. He got out of the deal with Iran, which was a horrible, terrible deal to be involved with in the first place. And now you have Joe Biden almost begging the Iranians to let us back into a deal which gives them really the, the ability to develop nuclear weapons. It's absolute insanity. He's done a terrible job, Joe Biden. And I just wish that Donald Trump would sort of calm down a bit. Let Republicans take the case against Biden. Don't make it about him. Make it about Joe Biden. Well, he has done that. And I think whether it's Bill O'Reilly or shows like this or you, uh, listen, his ears are pinned. His kids' ears are pinned. They listen to us every day. So he has done that to his credit. He did, you know, he canceled his, uh, for example, his press conference on January 6th, which was a no-win situation. So I think Donald is approaching this much better, knowing full well that he, that Joe Biden is destroying himself every day, and Donald doesn't have to highlight that. In terms of Russia, though, do you think it's a foregone conclusion they will, in fact, invade the Ukraine? I, again, I don't know, but they wouldn't even be threatening this. I think Russia will not pull back unless they get something. Uh, and I, I don't know what that could be. I don't know what – I mean, I, I can think of any number of things that Biden could concede. I don't think he should, uh, should concede any of them. Uh, Putin is doing this after he saw what happened in Afghanistan. Putin was emboldened. And so Putin, I think, has to get something out of this. Otherwise, we could see an invasion. But uh, the, the fact that we're at this uh, crisis state is only because Putin does not think Biden is strong enough and tough enough and is able to see it through. I mean, again, after he saw what happened in Afghanistan, after he's seen the way uh, Trump, I mean, Biden, Joe Biden stopped us from developing our pipelines here in the United States and allowed Russia to complete its pipeline in Europe. I mean, making us going from energy independent to dependent, because Putin now has a lot of upper hands. He can you know, basically threaten to cut off fuel to, uh, uh, to Europe. So. Uh, again, I hope the president does well on this. I mean, this is this is too serious for politics. We don't want because going into Ukraine may in and of itself may not sound like the end of the world, but that could cause the unraveling of NATO, the unraveling of the status quo in Europe. That could embolden China. I mean, it's uh, once once the uh, you know these things start. They can cascade out of control. No question. Congressman Peter King doing a great job here this morning, every Wednesday at 740. Check him out Saturday afternoons on the FM side with the judge. So uh, Daniel and I were watching TV last night, Peter, watching NBC. And uh, a commercial came on with Sean White, who I guess is a, a boarder, I guess. He does that board in the Olympics, you know. And it inspired a conversation between me and my wife. And I said, look. I understand China unleashed the virus. I understand China would love to see the United States blown off the map. I get all that. I understand that. That's the truth, by the way. Uh, but I also uh, feel badly for these kids. They've worked their whole lives to get to this point to compete in the Olympics. So for me, I'm okay with us competing. She's like, no, no, no way. Don't spend money there. Don't give those people anything. And I think more people tend to agree with Danielle than they do with me. What are your feelings on the U.S. competing in China in the Olympics? I'm sure. 
sure if I were an athlete, I would want to go. But you know, I look back at the 1936 uh, Olympics in Berlin. I think a lot of people now say it was really right for the United States to give that kind of uh, publicity and acclaim to Hitler to let them preside over these international games. And in many ways, listen, nothing compares to Hitler and the Holocaust. But right now, what is going on with China, the way they are expanding, the way they are basically torturing the Uyghur population in China, the way they're just moving, again, throughout the year, uh, Far East, uh, the way they are basically, again, you know, going back to the virus, obviously that was horrible. I, I, I would think we should not take part, but okay. I'm not going to criticize an athlete who wants to. But I think in the long view, uh, it would look, it would seem, and it would send a much better signal if the United States says, because of the evil that's going on, because of the persecution, we are not going to have uh, our, our teams compete. But right. again, I, uh, if I had been an athlete who, who had, had that kind of skill and that type of dedication, I, I can see why you know, they want to go. But I think that as a leader of a country, it would be the better idea not to go. All right. So Peter King agreeing with Danielle again and uh, not with Sid. Let's go to uh, Eric Adams, who was at this vigil yesterday for this uh, lovely lady who was pushed to her death in front of a speeding subway on Saturday. I want to play for you, Peter, what Eric Adams said the day after her murder. And then what he said yesterday when he had his people, I'm sure. He didn't do come up with this by himself. His people say to him, hey, Eric, are you stupid? Why would you say that? Let's hear the two different uh, points of view coming from Eric Adams on this horrible tragedy over the last three days. We know that public safety is not only actual, but it's perceived. Yeah, yeah. And when you have an incident like this, the perception is what we're fighting against. Perception. This is a safe system yeah. because of the job that the transit officers have carried I out. Of this. So you heard the perception. The has- now, now, here is Eric Adams yesterday after claiming it's only perception, Peter, two days ago. I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning, uh, crimes right outside of the platform. We're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system, and they don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way when I take the Stop train it right there. every day. So now he says New Yorkers don't feel that way, and, quote, I don't feel that way. I'm dizzy, Peter. Which one is it? I don't know, and he's sending mixed signals. Listen, I'm one of those who had a lot of hope for Eric Adams. I still want to have hope and faith that he gets the job done, but he's sending really mixed signals here. You can't, on the one hand, say that Alvin Bragg is a good DA, and on the other hand, saying that you're standing with the cops. You can't say that it's uh, only a, a, a perception that the subways are uh, deadly, and now, you know, the next day saying that he's scared. And also, what he's talking about that event that he saw, I guess, three guys fighting in the street. Listen, that's going on, unfortunately, all over the place in New York. That's the least of the problems we have. But those people, I mean, I don't recall... And ever, maybe once every 10 years or something, somebody being pushed on the subway tracks. Now it seems like it's every few weeks, every yep. few months this is going on. This disrespect for law and order. You know, listen, I, I get a lot of my wisdom these days. It's a local 7-Eleven here in Wontaw. This guy, Warner, he runs it, Warner. He's mm-hmm. like the local mayor. Mm-hmm. And people stand there, they sit around, they talk. It's not, it's not like a regular 7-Eleven. Yeah. And just the, the change in perception toward Eric Adams, I've noticed in the last few weeks, people who want him to succeed, but this whole idea, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can negotiate a tax bill, you can negotiate a highway bill, you can you know, uh, negotiate some agriculture bill. It's hard to negotiate. You can't negotiate law and order. I mean, either you have it or you don't. And you can't be saying that uh, you're going to uh, let the cops do their job. On the other hand, support a DA who said he's not going to lock people but, up for but, resisting arrest. But look, I'm he's not. Uh, he's got to take a tough stand. Uh, agreed. Come out and yeah. Time is running out. Time is running out. Listen, I'm not smarter than you. I'm not smarter than Bernie and or Bo Deedle. But I'm going to take credit for this one. I have said this throughout the whole campaign that I'm not a fan of this guy. And he didn't just start 
start, Peter, this week, talking out of both sides of his mouth. He did that his whole campaign. He was the one guy that tried to keep Republicans and Democrats happy. Say what you want about Curtis with his beret and the cats and all that nonsense. He was a man of conviction. Eric Adams was none of that during his campaign. He's the same guy now. Uh, listen, you could be right. I hope you're not. You could be. And, again, I, I had hopes for him. I uh, spoke to him several times during the campaign. Not that he relies on me, and I don't even know him that well. The few times I was with him, I spoke with him. He pledged to be uh, stand with the cops to get the job done. Then, on the other hand, then he starts talking about white supremacy here in New York. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. It's all sending sending a wrong message. <laughs> and, after, listen, uh, give him a few weeks maybe to walk both sides to try to figure it out. But after that, he's got to come down. On the side of the police, on the side of law and order, he's got to denounce these progressive politicians, especially those wackos in the New York City Council, the state legislature. And you can't, again, you can't be having it both ways. It's, uh, this is too serious. It's too critical. We're at a turning point right now in New York City. Giuliani was able to get it done. In many ways, Koch got it done in turning the spirit of the city around. Giuliani uh, got it done by just, again, crushing crime. Bloomberg and Ray Kelly and Bill Bratton, they all kept that going. You can't have it both ways. And he's, uh, we are at a crisis moment right now. This is a turning point in New York City. It's up to Eric Adams to get it done. I still think he can if he puts his heart and soul into it. I think he wants to, but he's got to realize he can't play both sides with the characters, the group of characters he has to deal with. What a uh, great appearance today, Peter, uh, and obviously your sincere uh, words about Bernard. I know you guys are very close for a long time. You're, you're friends with Bernie longer than you're friends with me. So thank you for that. But what a great appearance. Uh, thank you so much. You're great on Wednesdays. We appreciate it. We both love you. Thank you so much. Great shit. Thank you. All right, my man. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.